Last week, I want to just share this with you, and then I'm going to get into the message. I'm going to let Pastor Chad sit down. I don't know if you realize this, and uh, I got a couple of messages after church where people said, man, I really love it when you teach instead of just preach real fast because a lot of the stuff I don't know and I like to go home and study, and and I'm encouraged by that because I really, truly love to probably teach as much, if not more, as I do to preach. But last week at the Feast of Pentecost, which was 50 days after the Day of Atonement, okay? I misspoke last week when I said it was 50 days after first fruits. It's 50 days after the Day of Atonement, after Yom Kippur, when Jesus died as the Passover lamb, the Day of Atonement. 50 days later was the second big feast that every Jew was commanded to keep. And we covered the outpouring of the Holy Spirit there in Jerusalem to help the first church be birthed and to become Jesus' witnesses. However, I don't want you to think the word's not literal and think that today I am skipping Judea and Samaria. So I'm going to show this to you as we jump over to Acts chapter 8, where this literally happened. Just like Jesus said, they covered Jerusalem that first day. And then the next time the gospel expansion story picks up in the book of Acts, it picks up, guess where? Judea and Samaria. Go with me today, if you would to Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Thank you so much, Pastor Chad. Would you guys put your hands together for the worship team today? I'm going to draw your attention in here because so many of you love the guy that I'm going to share about today. Saul, notice I didn't say Paul. We're talking pre-conversion. How many of you used to be a Saul? How, how many of you got that Saul Paul testimony, right? How many of you really identify with that? I was this guy and then I became this guy. You got to watch it or you'll go back to that guy. Just trust me, right? It's a, it's a daily thing. Saul was one of the witnesses. Check this out. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen, who was an early church father who was a follower of the way. He's not even called Christian yet. So Saul is there giving a witness, but his witness ain't the witness of Christ, Michael. His witness is, yeah, he's a follower of the way. Kill him. A great wave of persecution began that day, and it began sweeping all over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of where? I'm going to read that again. And all of... The believers were scattered throughout the regions of where? Is anybody beginning to see this common theme with our God? Like the Romans 8, 28 thing that my God will cause all things to work together for good. Is anybody seeing this pattern with God where he says, my grace is sufficient for you? Saul now turned Paul that in my in your weakness my strength is made perfect and in Hebrews chapter 11 it says and these men and women who by faith did these might and great things in the earth they did them as God turned their weaknesses to strengths this this common principles is now showing us that opposition persecution has hit the church and it looks like they're being broken up it looks like they're being disbanded but what's really happening in the sovereignty of God is the God that birthed the church knowing that this is going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria was setting up the pieces on the board for the church to really grow and expand So a little bit of persecution came, a little bit of adversity came, but it really played right into God's hands because then all the believers, hint, hint, listen to me, the believers just quit hanging out with believers. (laughs) The believers just quit hanging out with followers of the way. They, they quit hanging out with people that were only just like them. Now, I didn't say we don't keep company with wise people. I didn't say we don't keep company with godly people. I, I just said in order to be a witness, sometimes you got to go out of your comfort zone circle and you got to get around some people that's not like you if we're ever going to reach the world around us. So God takes the early witnesses of the church and he uses opposition, he uses hardship to disperse them, to force them to get out of their comfort zone so they could tell somebody else about Jesus. Amen? Am I seeing that? Some devout men came to Jerusalem and they buried Stephen while they all mourned greatly. But Saul during this time was going everywhere doing everything that he could to destroy the church. Matter of fact, let me give you an account of his antics. He would go from house to house. Are you followers of the way? And he would drag both men and women out and children out and throw them into prison. 
But the believers who were scattered, they started preaching and becoming a witness about the good news of Jesus everywhere they went. Has anybody ever tried to, to stomp out a fire? I, I, I like burning stuff. And when I was a kid, one day I was raking leaves and trying to build, and man, I lit this fire, I got this thing big. And before you know it, Chuck, I'm telling you, this thing got so big. Literally, I about choked to death, about died trying to, it had gotten so big and I was trying to stop. Had to call the fire department to my mom and stepfather's house. Man, next thing you know, 50 minutes later, there's fire trucks, there's EMTs, there's nine cop cars. And I'm sitting there like, oh my goodness, what in the world have I done? I was trying to stomp that thing, but it was dry, it was windy, there was probably a burn ban. You know, I didn't stop and ask if there was a burn ban, right? Who needs that? Man, I could not stomp that thing out. So here's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to stomp out the church's witness, and as he's trying to stomp it out, that thing's just scattering. Just the more he stomps, the more it's just, it's playing right into God's hand. Saul's going everywhere, dragging them out, throwing them in prison. But the believers are staying one step ahead of them. And everywhere they go, they tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Look how accurate the Bible is. Then Philip, for an example, went down to the city of Samaria and he told the people there about the Messiah. Told the people there. That's, that's the statement that I want to begin with today. What, what I want you to do this week is, is your church work. I want you to go back and read Acts chapter 2, and you watch how the outpouring of the Holy Spirit fell in Jerusalem and birthed the church. Then I want you to go back and read in Acts chapter 8, and I want you to watch how a very similar experience happens in Judea and Samaria and moves the church forward again. And you're probably getting the simplistic rhythm here that's going to carry us all throughout the month of Kingdom Builders' emphasis, all throughout the month of my witnesses, but it's going to carry us all the way through this sermon series concerning being a witness for the Lord. Today, I'm going to back up and take you kind of mountaintop from mountaintop, thank you, Holy Spirit, from the Samaria experience about the witnesses there. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you mountaintop to mountaintop through the Samaria witnesses experience, and I'm going to look in there and show you what, what, what is doctrinal, what is line upon line and precept upon precept, what is the truth, and find some ways that it unilaterally applies to our lives today. Number one, it's very simple. What, what is the first thing I want to start with? To be a witness for God, you ready for this? Brace yourself, means there's going to be persecution. Now, listen, I, I know when we think persecution, you know, we think, and, and, and I you know, I'm a little bit older now, um, and so not a lot older, but a little bit older. And I, I don't want to be as callous is, 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 is insensitive as maybe I would have been when I was younger, but I know there is real persecution. Many of those missionaries that, that we put up there, we have to be very careful because we report facts, but some of those people, we can't say their real names and we can't tell you what countries they're in because terrorist groups watch churches in the Western world to find cities that missionaries are in to go kill them. That's how sophisticated it has become today. So while the facts are true, sometimes we may have to, have, to, have to cover the information in a way so that we don't put anyone's lives in danger. There is real persecution in other parts of the world for doing what you're doing here today. You understand that. We're not quite there yet in America, but just listen to me. I'm not endorsing this statement. I'm not endorsing a presidential candidate. But when Barack... Hussein Obama said to America almost 12 years ago, in the West, in America, we are in a post-Christian nation. The Bible Belt got offended because we thought he was trying to move us that way. What we did not realize in that moment is the President of the United States was only stating facts that he knew before you knew. We are a post-Christian nation today. What that means is there are countries in the world that we sent missionaries to, El Salvador, that now look at America as a larger missionary field than El Salvador, and they send missionaries back here to us. 
There are more people in America today that are not Christian than are. Is is everybody follow what I'm saying? We're not there with persecution yet in the sense of, you know, beheadings or, or, or torture or things like that. But I want you to know in the nation we live in today, to be a Christian means that you are the anomaly. You, you are abnormal. It means that you're a, a, a one of them salmon. Anybody ever followed the salmon migration? You hear my father-in-law and our family talk about Alaska a lot and the, how their memories are there and they grew up there and travel there, how those salmon will spawn and travel down the rivers and go to the ocean. I didn't even know they did it. And then those salmon, before they die, they go back up them same rivers and they lay eggs again and then they die in the same little spot. That migration for a salmon, you see them jumping out of the water, they're swimming against the current. What that means, my friend, is I'm trying to tell you as a Christian today, you are swimming against the cultural norms. You're swimming against the current. What you're trying to do is hard. There will be opposition. There will be persecution. What you believe in, the values you have, and what you say you stand for, which will be challenged in question, is not normal today. Everybody else is telling you to love who you want to love, smoke what you want to smoke, drink what you want to drink, go where you want to go, hang how you want to hang. It's YOLO. You only live once. Enjoy life. K Sarah, Sarah. But that's not the message of the Bible. Not what the Bible says. (coughs) You're going to face persecution. Here, let me just share this with you. And, And for those note takers, simply, persecution is to be expected. Persecution in the early church days was considered an honor. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to sit here today and tell you that I'm there. But in the New Testament, I can tell you I've read it enough that the early church fathers all said the same thing synonymously. I counted it an honor to suffer for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If somebody parks in your parking spot, you cry about it. None of us have faced real persecution yet. We've got to get our mindsets right that to suffer for Jesus, to face adversity, is actually an honorable thing in the kingdom of God. It's not only to be expected, it's not only honorable. Write this down. To suffer persecution is evidence. It's evidence. Remember what they used to say? I've been in the church a long time now. I'm dating myself. Is there enough? Evidence in your life for you to be convicted in a court of law that you are a Christian. I I don't know. I don't know. I want to read this scripture to you. This is Jesus, also the commander in chief. John 15 and 20. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. I'm going to read it quickly. Do you remember what I told you? No slave is greater than its master. And since they were opposed to me and persecuted me, naturally they will be opposed to you and persecute you. If they had listened to me when I was here, then they would also listen to you as you go about being my witnesses. I'm going to make this statement. They're going to put it on the screen as a kind of a a condensing thought before I move on to the next truth I want to share. If there's no persecution in your life, it could be an indicator that there's no witness. If there's there's no persecution, if there's no adversity, it could be. I'm going to let you and God. You, you do understand I need the same mercy you need. You do understand I need the same grace you do. You do understand I'm not looking down long nose pointing my finger. You do understand if I serve God for a thousand years, I still need the same grace you need. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to condemn everybody today, but I do not have the right to change what this Bible says. I either got to preach the whole counsel of God's word or in my opinion, don't preach it at all. You and the Holy Spirit do business with what God's saying to you through his word. And I'm up here trying to do business with what the Holy Spirit's saying through God's word in my own life. Amen or oh me. If there's no persecution, it could be an indicator there's no witness. Number two, the next thing I want you to see in this Acts chapter 8 experience that, that happens to these guys They experienced the supernatural as they went about being the witnesses. Check this out. I got news for this seeker-sensitive, professional, churched generation that thinks we have to water everything down and keep it explainable. That was not the first church. That was not what the Old Testament even revealed about God. There were things that 
were unexplainable. There were things that would make you scratch your head. There were things that were messy. Has anybody lived long enough for Jesus to realize that discipleship is messy, that messes are necessary to become messages, that tests are necessary to become testimonies, that scars are necessary to become stars? It takes you going through something to become something. It's the gospel. But in this process, they saw the supernatural. Let me read this to you. Acts chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. It says this, And many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And this brought great joy to the city. So, so I just got to ask you right now today, and I'm not saying I got this on my radar. I'm not saying we're ready for this. I'm not saying I'm going to have somebody fake it next Sunday, Okay. But if somebody came up here this morning and they were full of demons, which does happen at Oaks Church, and we got around them and started praying for them, and they started flipping on the floor, or we started screaming and crying and shaking, and we took them out and prayed for them, would you be like, I ain't going to there next week. <laughs> but I want you to know why that does make you uncomfortable, because we all operate in the natural. The New Testament church, the witnesses of Jesus, weren't natural. They were supernatural. And where they went in the power of God, bizarre things happen. My good friend, I don't know where he's at. I'm not calling him out. My good friend Jason Bond called me this. Uh, stopped, stopped at a trustee meeting on, on Friday. And he was like, hey, man, did, did so. Now, be careful, because y'all tell me stuff, but I don't want to tell you stuff. He said, did so-and-so get old you? I said, yeah, they sure did. He said, right, you, you was who I told them they needed to talk to. I said, I said, he said, they needed some devils cast out. <laughs> he said, they called me, but I told them, call him. <laughs> not, not in an ugly way. I mean, you do know I'm being playful, right? You do know, I mean, it's my friend. And, and if I asked Jason, he'd be right there with me, you know, just... But I'm trying to show you that the witnesses of God in the first century in Acts chapter 8, when they moved their witness over to Samaria, there were supernatural things happening. Let me just whirl on right quick. The world needs supernatural today. They need it so much. Most every movie we watch is about it. The books we read are about it. Everybody's looking for the supernatural, looking for the paranormal, looking for all of this stuff. And the truth is the matter, God has given it to the church. But we as the church have to be willing to engage in the supernatural to ever see the supernatural natural. All right, I'm going to read this to you. Move on. I got a lot of ground to cover. Let me move today. Mark chapter 16. Where's my friend, Miss Pam at? I did that last week. I looked, I said, oh, I got to stop. Get you out of here. Where you at, Miss Pam? Where you at? There she is. I ain't stopping. Roll on. Well, let me get back to rolling. Here you go. You ready? Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And then he told them again, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom to everyone. And anyone and who is and anyone who believes and is baptized, they will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe, they will eventually find themselves condemned before the throne of God. Listen to Jesus. But these supernatural miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will learn to cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes safely they if they drink any deadly thing it won't hurt them and they will be able to place their hands on the sick and see sick people heal this is what jesus said is the hallmark of the witness of the church's ministry all right i'm gonna move on you ready for this here's how it works you're gonna put this on the screen all it is is god takes his super and connects it to our natural and this creates a powerful witness hey you got i got news for you you ain't super, <laughs> and I ain't super. <laughs> Just ask Brooke, right? But God is super, and we are natural, but somebody has to be willing to step in the gap and trust God for the super on our natural to see the supernatural in people's lives. Somebody said, when you're going over there this afternoon, I'm going to go with you. Thank you. I'm going to need all the help I can get. Number three, here's what else I want you to see about the witnesses. They preached the gospel. My friends, they preached the gospel. I want you to see what gospel they preached because, because I want you to know even before the apostle Paul left the earth, there were already multiple gospels. Paul said, even if an angel of heaven comes down and preaches a different gospel, 
than you receive from the apostolic fathers. Don't believe it. How many denominations, listen to me, how many religions have been started by supernatural experiences with angels or spirits supposedly from heaven that have birthed Islam? That have Read about Muhammad in the cave with the spirit of the jinn that have birthed Latter-day Saints that have birthed Mormonism, Joseph Smith with a revelation of an angel from heaven. It's literally in the scripture saying, if this doesn't happen, you're good. But if this does happen, don't listen to it. It's not the right gospel. And, and this is the right gospel. It says in verse 12, but now the people believed Philip's message about the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. It is the gospel of the kingdom of God. It is the gospel of the kingdom of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women eventually believed this message and they were baptized. Hear me out. I'm going to get to where I'm getting to. This was the gospel of the kingdom of God. This was what the apostolic fathers preached. And this is supposed to be the witness and the preaching of the church today. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God. I'm going, just stay with me. I'm just dropping it off on your doorstep. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Here it is. Later on, after John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin, was arrested, Jesus rose up and he went into the Galilee where he began to preach the good news of the gospel. He said, the time that has been promised by God has now come at last. I stand here today and I announce the gospel of the kingdom kingdom to you and that the kingdom of God is at hand and that you must repent of all wrongdoing and sin. Believe upon me and turn to me heeding to this good news. I want you to know our message today cannot be a message of a self witness. It cannot be a witness of an Oaks Church witness. It cannot be a message of a denominational witness. It has to be a witness of the kingdom of God. And let me go ahead and give it to you now. The kingdom of God is this, that the kingdom of God is coming to the kingdoms of men that one day the kingdom of God will be here on this earth and supersede all kingdoms that we build the kingdom of the West the kingdom of Wall Street the kingdom of our retirements and our 401ks and our ambitions and our dreams and Jesus came and said the kingdom of God is now near you I am gonna put it inside of you and you will be able to pull out of God's kingdom which is in you through the person of the Holy Spirit what is already in heaven and you can release heaven in this earth through the gospel of the kingdom. That's the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is that there is another kingdom on the other side of eternity that you can't see that created this kingdom and Jesus said it's now near Hoy and I'm going to put it inside of my believers and from within inside of those believers they will pull out the kingdom of God and superimpose the kingdom of God over the kingdoms of this world over sickness over disease over addiction over pain over poverty over racism over hate over embryo over unforgiveness it is the church's responsibility to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God being superimposed over the kingdoms of this world. Don't tell me about the kingdoms of this world being your first priority. Don't tell me about the kingdoms of this world being your first agenda. Don't tell me about the kingdoms of this world being your first pursuits because your priorities are messed up. When you align them against the pages of the scripture, our first identity in this room today is not American. It's not Caucasian. It's not Oaks Church. Our first identity for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room is Christian. You are a Christian before you're black. You're a Christian before you're white. You're a Christian. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God before you're American. Do you lead as an American or do you lead as a kingdom citizen representing as an ambassador another world? I'm not here to represent Oaks Church. You know, when I, when I get to focusing on I'm representing Oaks Church, you do know I mess up. But if I keep it simple that I'm representing the kingdom of God, it ain't about John Skipworth's kingdom. It ain't about Oaks Church kingdom. It ain't about our, it's about God's kingdom. 
Is that real enough for you? Is that transparent? They were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They were saying all these other kingdoms, Rome and Greece and all the even, I know you Jews ain't going to like it. Y'all going to kill us for it. But the kingdom of your little temple and your little religious worship, all your little sacred, all them kingdoms coming down. He's going to set his feet upon the Mount of Olives and the earth's going to cleave in two and split apart the eastern wall. Can't wait to take you all to Jerusalem next year to show you that. And when he does, he's going to walk in to the holiest of holies. And he's going to sit on his rightful throne as the Lord of God's kingdom now put here to establish it on this earth. And the Bible says he will rule with a rod of iron. He's bringing the kingdom of God to the kingdoms of this world. And right now, he put that kingdom in you and little old me and said, let them have a little taste of it before I get there. <clears throat> My witnesses included the Holy Spirit in their witness. Acts chapter 8, again, I'm just taking you through the high points of Acts chapter 8, where the witness now spilled over into Samaria. 8, 14 through 17. And when the apostles, check this out, back in Jerusalem, the first church, somebody say the first church. The first church in Jerusalem, when they heard that the people of Samaria had now accepted God's message, here's what they did. They went and got Pastor Todd. They went and got Pastor Rhonda. They got Peter and John, and they said, here's what we want you to do. Go down to Samaria and tell them about the Holy Spirit. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. If you get the Holy Spirit the minute you believe. Huh, hold on, wait a minute. I know somebody told us that. So go, go tell the believers who had already believed and been water baptized. That you didn't get something you were supposed to get when you believe. And that's called the third person of the Trinity. That's called the kingdom of heaven's deposit inside of you. It's called the person of God coming to take up holy habitation within you. And go down there and tell them that somebody gave them a half-taught gospel message. And now we finna give them the full gospel message. And when they got down there, they told them about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And because they were natural... They prayed to God for some super and they laid their hands on them and the supernatural happened and everybody there got filled with the Holy Spirit. Is everybody seeing what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm move on. I'm going to move on. I got something rich I want to show you. This was a, pari a, a priority to the early church. Like, like you, you, does anyone know how far Jerusalem is from Samaria? It, 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 it's, it's like walking... Um, let's just say from the college campus here uh, back out towards Well Road. Like, so, so you know, Pastor Todd, Pastor Ronnie, can y'all get on your mules? <laughs> can you go over there to Samaria? And can you tell them, I'm glad they believed in Jesus and I'm glad they were water baptized, but they got to have the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be an effective witness. And so they packed up their stuff and they went on their little journey and they got out there to well road and they said, hey, we've come to tell you, thank God you've heard the message. Thank God you've been water baptized. But you got to get the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be an effective witness. This took effort. This was a priority of the early church. And all I'm just harping on for just a couple of minutes today is this still should be a priority to us. Now, who did we begin talking about in this morning's message? Who'd we begin talking about? Saul, all right? Meanwhile, check this out. Saul was uttering threats with every breath. And he was eager to kill any followers of the way. So he went up to the high priest in Jerusalem and he requested that they give him a letter that he could go to the synagogues of Damascus asking for their cooperation and arrest any followers of the way that he found there. Stay with me. He went to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a great blinding light from heaven suddenly shot around him, and he fell down on the ground, slain in the spear, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said this, check this out. The first heart cry of the apostle Paul was this, Who are you? What Power exists to knock me off of my spiritual blind horse, my high horse, and to blind me with marvelous light. Who are you? Look what he says. Lord, he had already submitted. 
Saul asked him this. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw and understood nothing. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he tried to open his eyes, he realized that he was blind. So his companions had to lead him by the hand into Damascus, and he stayed there for three days, and he did not eat or drink. He was fasting. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision saying, Ananias, Ananias said, yes, Lord. He replied, here's what I want you to do. Go over to the street called Straight to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man by the name of Saul from Tarshish. He is there, and he's praying to me right now, and I have shown him also in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so he could see again. You know all that. I'm reading this for a purpose this morning because there's something in here that's been left out for most of us. But Lord, Ananias exclaimed, I've heard many people talk about this guy and all the terrible things that he's done to all the followers of the way in Jerusalem and around the country. And he has authority from the leading priests in Jerusalem to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentile kings. Anybody ever wonder why Paul stayed alive long enough to stand before the most powerful man in the world, the emperor and the Caesar of all of Rome, not just once, but on two different occasions, because it was his divine destiny promised at his calling. He will be my messenger, my witness before the greatest kings of all the Gentile worlds in the West and as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul there. Check this out. And he got his natural and he prayed to God for some super. And he laid his hands and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus Christ, who appeared to you on the road, sent me that you might regain your sight and also be filled with the Holy Spirit. The most radical anti-Christian assassin on the planet is now struck down blinded by a great light and a follower of the way gets a prophetic vision how many of you said I didn't want that call and said go over there to Saul on straight street lay your hands on him help him get his sight back but before you leave because it's a priority make sure he gets the impartation of the Holy Ghost Don't give me a gospel message without the Holy Ghost. It's not the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the gospel of the kingdom. Pastor Chad, would you come? Too many witnesses today. They're going to put this on the screen. Too many witnesses today. I've done it. You've done it. Others try to do it. Too many witnesses today are attempting to share the gospel without the inclusion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know how that sounds at first reading. You think I'm saying every Bible study you go to, how many of you got life group tonight? You you think I'm saying, hold up, hijack your life group and tell them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not what I'm saying at all. (laughs) I'm saying when you go out to be a witness, (laughs) make sure you got some power of Holy Ghost inside of you to actually be the witness you're supposed to be. You can't go out full of whatever it is you've been full of. You can't go out full of the Republican Party. You can't go out full of the Democratic Party. You can't go out full of the... Man, I am so concerned about all of the people talking about the interest rates. You can't go out and do supernatural ministry so full of information about the interest rates. You you can't go out full of... Let you fill in the blank. You can't go out full of all this stuff. How many of you know we live... How many of you know we live in the first generation to have information so widespread like never before? You can know anything you want to know today. The problem, and and I'm not against knowing things. You can ask my wife. Trust me, if I got one person that's like going to tell it straight for me, it's her. Mostly to me. In this world that seems to be getting more complex, we're trying to figure out how to make it more simple. I mean, just just to be, you can know anything you want to know today. You can be involved in anything you want to be involved in. You, you you, You can be full of all kind of stuff. 
But my question is, if whatever you're full of, is that going to be effective for your witness? Because I didn't read yet. I've been reading for a long time, been studying. I'm going to keep studying. I didn't read yet where being full of all that other stuff is going to effectively help our witness. I love that old saying again. I'm going to date myself. Been around the church a long time. Um, be an effective witness and when necessary, use words. Right? Pastor Todd told me yesterday, I've shared this with you. Pastor Rhonda's quoted this in our, in our serve team trainings. Here's what leaders do. First, they study enough to know the way. Once they know the way for themselves, they struggle and strain and press to go the way so that eventually they can help other people go the way. Right? This is going to be a tough one here. This is what the Lord gave me this morning. I I had written this in my notes and I I got to it this morning and I was like, oh, I'll just cut the sermon. How many of you know I could right now, I could say, stand up on your feet. We're ready to pray. But I'm telling you, the Lord told me today not to do that. You ready for this? This is tough. The witnesses in the church dealt with imposters. They dealt with imposters. Look at this. Verses 20 through 23. But Peter replied to Simon the sorcerer, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this matter for this one reason. Your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you of your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitterness, envy, and jealousy. And these have you held captive in your sin. I'm just meditating for a moment because I want the Holy Spirit to show me how to, how to do this. First John chapter 2. I hate to throw you a curveball media booth, but I really love for the church to see First John 2, 15 through 17. This is what the Lord dropped on me this morning. He dropped it on me. Dropped it on me. Dropped it on me. Do not love this world, nor the things this world offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the cravings for our physical desires and earthly pleasures, cravings for everything that we want and decide we have to have because we see it, and the pride of our own achievements to accomplish great feats and to store up possessions. These are all not from the Father. These are from the world. And I want you to know all of them with this world, they're fading away along with everything else that people crave. But anyone who learns to do what is pleasing to God, he and that hope will both live forever. You know, when I read that this morning, here's what the Holy Spirit said. Holy Spirit said, when you read that scripture, people today are going to hear, you can't love this world. And also love God. That's what people are going to hear. And the Holy Spirit said, but tell them this is what it really means. If you are enamored and allured, deceived by this world to fall in love with it and to let its love fill your heart with its passions, there's no room for the love of God to be in you. So it's not God administering a strict warning and a strict discipline. It's God trying to safeguard our lives, saying the loves for these things will choke out the love for me. They cannot coexist at the same time. One of the most crucial aspects, they're going to put this on the screen. I promise I'm, I'm wrapping up. One of the most crucial aspects of our witnesses is a heart that is right with God. Eventually, it comes out. And what the witnesses of the first church saw was they got there and God put a little super on their natural and they start having revival. I mean, folks was in the altar from the first song, jumping. 
They done got out the Jericho flags. We don't have no flags. One day we're going to look up and somebody's going to be running with the Oaks Church banner. <laughs> Folks was doing the worm across the floor. Folks was, well, now they ain't going to get no snakes out. No sirree, Bob. You're going to put them back in the bayou. And a guy on the back row who was looking to capitalize. I'm not against capitalism, but a guy on the back row who was looking to merchandise the gospel saw a capitalistic opportunity to buy the gift so he could redisperse it and grow his own kingdom. And the witnesses of the church looked right at him and said, man, the Lord can forgive you, but what's wrong is your heart's not right. So we can't let you in right now because your heart's not right. Because your heart is eat up with all this world and that's got you held captive. It's the equivalent of Jesus looking at the rich young ruler and saying, I got no problem with you going to the kingdom of heaven, but you can't go there holding on to everything that you own. Let it go and then you can have it. Talking to Jay this morning, my friend, Jay, where you at? Jay Huckabee. He said, I come put my arms around him. Jay's going through a tough time. And, and, and just said, man, I'm praying for you. I love you. Pray for me, praying for you. And uh, he said, man, I'm, I'm learning to let go and let God. <laughs> How many of you have been told that before? Let go and let God. How many of you know it's a way easier to say that than to do that? How many of you hold on to your fingernails pop off, holding on to the rope and you've all the bloods and you're like holding on to the last knot in the rope, trying to hold on and you don't even, your fingers are bleeding, you're trying to hold on. And then finally you let go and when you let go of the rope, you figured out you didn't even fall because God's hand was right there. At the end of you is always the beginning of God. But learning to let go and let God is so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard in our marriages. It's so hard with our dreams. It's, it's just hard, right? To let go of our own desires in our heart. It takes constant care. It takes daily evaluation. It's something we all must stay engaged in. Last thing, last thing. They're going to put it on the screens. You ready for this? I love this. These witnesses, they fulfilled their call. Because what's this whole thing about? What, what, what am I preaching to you about? What's this whole thing about? Being a witness of what? <laughs> so how many of you know, I just took you five or six mountaintops of one chapter. Pastor Chad said this morning, there was a lot of time between one verse. There's a lot of time. How many of you know, it would have been real easy in that day to get distracted. You were already distracted. You already didn't remember what I was talking about 20 minutes ago. Life has a way of getting you distracted. But in the middle of the sorcerer, in the middle of supernatural power, in the middle of doctrinal issues, in the middle of all this stuff, they didn't forget to do what God sent them to Samaria to do. Watch this. After testifying, verse 25, and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria. Peter and John went back to Jerusalem, but they stopped all along the way in many Samaritan villages and they preached the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's news. You, you're, not, you're not putting together what I'm putting down. I'm going to say this. It's not how you start. It's not how you do in the first leg of the run. It's about how you finish. It's about finishing well. It's about not quitting. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, don't you realize that all of us as followers of the way, as Christians, we're actually runners in a race and we're running a race not to just qualify, we're running this race to get the prize. So tighten up your shoestrings and start running this thing to win. The athletes, they discipline and they train their bodies because they want to win a little prize that one day fades away. But we're all running a race to win an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. He said, matter of fact, I don't shadow box as one who just punches the air. I learned throughout the race to discipline my body as a kingdom of heaven athlete training this thing most importantly this thing what it should do here's a scary statement scary statement 
Otherwise, Paul said, I fear that after preaching to others, I may look up one day and find myself disqualified. If there's one guy that could say, I got it whipped. It's him, wrote two thirds of the New Testament, took three missionary journeys that started every church in the Western Hemisphere, including this one. You could trace our spiritual ancestry back to the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. And this guy said, I cannot go on cruise control because after I've done all this, I'll look up one day on autopilot and I'll be disqualified from the very thing that I was given my life to do. What he's saying is it don't matter how I started. It don't matter about the road to Damascus. Don't matter about the churches. Don't matter about the letters and the epistles. What matters is how I finish this thing. They finished their race. They fulfilled their call. Their witness was intended to take Samaria. And the scriptures record they went to Samaria and took the whole deal. Now, how many of you really want a Bible nugget? A good Bible nugget and I'll let you go. I mean, a great one. Jesus goes and sets on a well in John chapter 4 with a... And when the disciples finally show up to bring him some food, and he says, I've been eating some food that you boys know not of. My food is to do the will of my Father. He says, lift up your eyes unto the fields which are white for harvest. And what John chapter 4 tells you is the whole village of Samaria came to a place of faith in Christ during Jesus' lifetime. Matter of fact, if you read Acts chapter 8, when Philip went down there to preach to him, here's what they literally said in Greek. We already know Jesus is the Messiah. But what they didn't know is he had promised the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus saw this colony of people through John chapter 4 brought to faith in him. But the witnesses were sent in to finish the deal. Finish the deal. Finish the deal. Statement on the screen. Witnesses tend to get distracted from their assignment to preach the gospel and expand the kingdom of God. Raise your hand if you're one of those witnesses that gets distracted. Amen. Help me, Holy Spirit. I'm talking about my witnesses. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to talk about these witnesses without I don't know if you read the Bible like me but when I read the Bible it's hard for me to just read it about them there's something in the scriptures that it leaps it over into me it is like it, it's just like oh this is great reading and then when I stop for a minute it's like well how's that working in you right does anybody, does anybody else get that when you read the Bible is it just me it's hard for me to talk about his witnesses my witnesses without talking about my witness how's your witness How's your witness? I didn't say, are you giving to kingdom builders? Thank you for giving to kingdom builders because we're going to do a lot of great things with what you let go of. But I'm not talking about you giving to kingdom builders. I'm talking about your witness. Is your witness facing opposition? We want to pray for you today against that opposition because here's what God has promised you. That opposition isn't meant to destroy you. That opposition is actually meant to make you stronger so you can kick your enemy's tail. Opposition is like lifting weights in the gym. It makes you stronger. To win the battle most of us have just come become so mealy mouth we think opposition is meant to kill us the lord slaved me no the lord was giving you something a little stronger than cornbread and milk today to see if you have some vitality and some stamina and some endurance some of you in here today are hungry 
for the supernatural. You, you, you want to be filled with God's Spirit. You want to see lame people healed. You want to see the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders, follow your ministry. You want to see the south side lit up with revival. You want to see both cities come together with not using the river as a divide. You want to see us not be in the lowest brackets, but the highest brackets. Our schools in the first place instead of the last place. You want to see our children getting along. You want to see people coming together. You want to see the kingdom of heaven coming to earth with addiction ministries and outreaches and missional programs. You want to see it. And I want to pray for you, but it all starts with my witness. It all starts with my witness. I want you all to stand up on your feet today. Help me, Holy Spirit, in this room. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're at. And it's, it's not my desire to single anyone out, to call you out. Nobody's got to come to the front. But, but if you're at a place today, here it is. If you're at a place today and your witness is not where it needs to be, I can tell you, I can tell you the very first thing that's got to happen, the very first thing that's got to happen is you got to make a decision to let go of the hindrance of your witness and to re-engage and to recommit to your witness. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is, but I want to lead you through that now. Father, today, there's some precious people in here. Come on, I want you to do it with me. Those of you that this is for, God, I, I turn her loose. God, I, I, I turn him loose. God, I turn that loose. I turn it loose. I, I turn the pain loose. I, I let go of the memory. I, I, I turn it loose today, God. The hindrances of my witness. And a few weeks ago, I talked about this. It, it, I mean, you could have a, a porn addiction. Listen to me. You could have a Starbucks addiction. You could have a tobacco addiction. You can have a vape addiction. You can have a drinking addiction. You can have a drug addiction. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know what's hindering your witness. You could have an anger problem. You could have an abuse problem. You could have a meth problem. I don't know, a racism problem, an unforgiveness problem. They're all problems that hinder the witness. Let them go right, right now. Just lay it down. I let it go, God. I lay it down. I lay it down. I don't want my witness hindered. I don't want our family hindered. And God, I don't have the answers for tomorrow. I don't have the answers for next month. But right now, today, I let it go. It's not God. It's no longer an idol, and I turn it loose. Jesus, I ask you to come get on the throne of my heart and be Lord of all. Help me with my witness.